What's going on, Panther Nation? This is your sports editor, Daniel Stackhouse, and I am here today bringing you some sports info from the Panther Pit for the first episode of the 2020-2021 school year. This week, I am joined by the Prowler's advisor, Justin Spencer. How are you doing today, Mr. Spencer? Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, Daniel. It's been a lot of fun. Um, busy, you know, uh, trying to adjust to the schedule we've got going on and obviously trying to trying to train up the, the new Cub riders that we have on the Prowler this year and, you know, keep up with all the amazing sports action that's already been going on in, in the first month of the year. I know that you've seen some, some pretty, good, pretty good events, especially the last week or so. So uh, I'm excited, man. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's hear what we got to talk about this time. How about you? Let, let me back up a second. How about you, man? How, how are things? Uh, I've, I've, I've been doing very good. I think that we're getting um, – it's kind of with the whole COVID thing, and this kind of – we'll just kind of start out with this, is that we've been – is that it's been kind of a whole, like, adaptory thing, I guess, where we're having to – where – as a student, having to kind of like shift out my routine and kind of like continue to make that balance of like how I can keep on doing everything efficiently. That's kind of the, the way I'm at, the way I'm at right now. All right, you're going to bring it up. I'm going to go ahead and ask you before we jump in and recap what's been going on on our four fall sports we got. Like, um, I know you were keeping up over the summer with some of the GHSA rules, regulations. You're you're our number one guy on the ground, the guy on the sidelines, the guy, you know, next to the dugout, all that kind of stuff. Um, what, what are some of those adjustments that, that you're seeing, some of the guidelines that have been laid down? Well, kind of the easy one is, social, is how they're maintaining social distance. I haven't been to a Stars Mill, I haven't been to a Stars Mill volleyball game yet, so I can't really vouch, vouch about that. But I have been to, I have been to softball, and what they've been doing with that is they've been, they, they took out the dugouts and set those aside for the teams to use to maintain social distancing. And masks are highly recommended. And everyone is just basically just brought their own lawn chair. And that's how seating has been working at that, at that situation. With the other sports, though I haven't been there, I have talked to the athletic director, Shane Ratliff, on what the plans have been. And softball, I kind of just went over. And Volleyball is kind of different. Um, they're no longer doing two courts of play. They're now putting both areas of seating. They're pushing both both areas of seating out, so that everyone can social distance that way. And all play is being moved onto the one court in the center. And they're trying to do everything they can to have players social distance. They have a bunch of sanitation stations across the across the gymnasium. And the most important thing recently, Mr. Ratliff has said that masks, masks are now required at all indoor volleyball events. It's the only, that is currently the only sport where it is required to wear a mask. And football is just, while football is, we're gonna see how this works out, but their plan right now is to do about 50% capacity but from what he said, he wanted to limit that to about lower than 50 to make sure all the past people could get in, like GSA, press, that kind of thing. And the interesting thing is the student section. I feel like reiterating this is important that student section is completely first come, first serves. It is stripped down. It's widened a little bit. It's kind of no longer as, as tall, but it's a lot wider now. And they are limiting it first come, first serve. It doesn't matter the grade. They are purely going on who gets there first. And they have said that if 
the students are not obliging to the COVID guidelines, mainly set by the state and the CDC, that they will be broken up immediately. So has, uh, has Mr. Ratliff uh, announced like a, a student section, like cap for number of students, or is it just, hey, we're gonna stretch out the area for you guys, keep your distance, do we have to wear masks? Tell me a little bit more here. The masks are highly recommended, especially if there are gonna be people grouping up. Um, what he told me is that they're gonna have all seats in the stadium X off. So, I mean, other than families, families will be able to sit next to each other. But other than that, that every seat is laid out by an X and that's how they're measuring capacity. Because one seat is measured by an X. So and there's no actual they, like cap for the student section though? Um, from what I understand, no. Okay, all right. So as, so as much space, but it is first come first serve seating for pretty much everyone. Yes, all, all right. students. Wow, wow, all right. Well, I think we'll, we'll get a pretty good glimpse of that this Friday night with our first home football game. I know we're looking down our list. We're gonna to get to that eventually. So um, oh, where, where do you wanna start, man? Where, where do you wanna start? It's been, it's been an exciting first month for Stars Mill Sports, that's for sure. It has. Let's start with volleyball because that was really the first sport to really hit the ground running. And it kind of happened in a big way as take it back a whole month ago, they competed against Macintosh, who was from that point, they had not beaten us in a long time. And they took that game in a comeback win. And it kind of was a definitive moment where it was like, okay, this region is going to be a lot more interesting. Hold on a second. Did you say we're talking softball or volleyball? We're talking softball oh, right okay. now. All right. All right. And so that was a very interesting game itself. If you want to go back and read it on the Prowler, you can do that right now. Um, so, and then there was a there was a game against Whitewater that was going pretty well in Starsville's favor, but that that was rain delayed, and that's going to be made up tomorrow, which we will get to in a moment. But what I want to ask you, Spencer, is I wasn't there, but you were at the Stars Mills game last week against Northgate. And from judging from the 12-13 loss and the comments you've given me, that was a very exciting game. No, the, the, the Northside game. Yeah, Northside Columbus. This is one of those, and, and you kind of alluded to it. The, and I imagine Stackhouse, this is something that we're going to be talking about all season long. This, this region, the region we're in now is not the same region um, that, that we're used to, you know, I mean, nothing against Riverdale. Um, and um, you got to remind me of the other team we played out of Clayton County. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, and, and nothing against Griffin uh, down in Spalding County or, or Fayette, you know, just down the road, any of that kind of stuff. But typically, you know, our biggest competition has come from Whitewater and McIntosh. And it's been hit and miss depending on the sport. Um, you know, I mean, obviously in football, the Griffin games the last couple of years have been incredible, um, but we haven't had that much competition outside of that one game. Um, softball, pretty much the last few years is the one-two seed has always been us or Whitewater. Um, this year, if you look at the current region standings in softball, it, you've got, uh, by my estimation, you got four teams in the mix, Five, if you want to count Macintosh. Um, Macintosh again surprised us um, with that 4-2 comeback win like you talked about. 
um, completely caught us uh, off guard there. Um, you know, and, and maybe is a sleeper to sneak in as a four. Um, but, you know, being at that Northside game last week, man, I, I can only think of one other softball game I've seen in the last 10 years or so that was as wild and as crazy, especially as a finish. I mean, you, you had Northside jump out big time. We battled back, took the lead. Northside jumps out to another big lead uh, at the top of the seventh. And then we slowly start clawing away, clawing away. And I mean, um, junior Julia Cliff just had this shot into the outfield that she was robbed. I mean, if that ball drops, she's got to walk off a couple of RBIs and we take the win. Um, you know, pitching, you know, we can never argue against Lily Backus. You know, she had that perfect game a couple of weeks ago which was incredible, but uh, they rattled, Northside got to her. I mean, she was, she was pitching and pitching. I mean, they really wore her down, um, but it was the, the fielding side. And, you know, Coach and I talked with this a little bit. Actually, he mentioned it in uh, the Coach's Corner that we just posted. Um, Editor-in-Chief Emily Davis sat down with Coach Williamson to talk about some of the fielding and some of the errors, you know, and it's, that's really been the team's focus right now is just cleaning up those kind of mental errors. I don't know that I've ever been to a Stars Mill softball game and watched us overthrow first base. I think it was five times that I remember. Um, I've never seen that. Um, so, I mean, just that kind of stuff. But the game was just, it was incredible. The, the hits, the pitching, the, the plays, um, you know, the north side hitting a grand slam. I mean, like Bacchus would kind of get in that kind of trouble. They'd hit a grand slam, put up all those runs. Backus would come out the next inning and shut all three batters down. Um, you know, so and I, and I think Coach in that Coach's Corner talks about consistency as well. You guys will have to, to pull up that Coach's Corner on the prowlernews.org. Um, take a look at what Emily Davis and Coach Williamson had to say. Um, but it, it, I think that game is truly indicative of region play in softball this year is it's not necessarily going to come down to pitching and hitting. It's going to come down to which team makes the fewest mistakes. And I do feel like, especially from what I've seen of Stars Mill this year and last year as well, I mean, one major thing I feel like people, I mean, people may overlook is that we don't have the rotation that we used to. Not that this rotation is bad, but just that Having hit and having Lily Backus as the main pitcher and having Latham, Latham to support her instead of the instead of the active rotation we had between Andrews and Paige Andrews and Lily Backus last year, it's definitely it's definitely changed. And I feel like that that Backus has been like been put has been just been straining herself hard because of the way she's been just put to work, and it was. I'm going to go back to what you're saying about the mistakes is that this is a great team. You have great hitting. You have great hitting. You have North Georgia commit Joey Lester. You have great base running, highlighting that with BYU commit Lauren Flanders. It's just that these – it's just the fielding is that I feel like that's the biggest problem right now. If we can – if the consistency is corrected, then maybe we're going to – then we could see a lot – we could see them go way farther than, than they are now. And this is not even saying that they're bad. They are, they're a state tournament team. They, they're at this level the way they are now. Definitely. This is just saying, like, we could, 
is that they could be pushed further beyond. And I'm very excited to see that if they, that when, if and when they adjust these things, where that's going to take them. Well, and I really and then, appreciate, I really appreciate, uh, I'm going to cut you off there real quick. Uh, Coach Williamson's insight, you know, he, he's not, he's not afraid to say, Hey, you know what? We are a young team. We're, we're a raw team. We're, we're figuring it out. And hopefully we have the pieces in place by the time the region tournament comes around, by the time the postseason comes around. He's like, you know, it's kind of that be patient, wait for it to develop, to develop, you know, and it's like you said, it, it's not, they're not bad. It's not, it's not that Stars Mills in an off year or anything, you know, it's, it's they're young, you know, we've, we've seen some incredible hitters over the years, you know, and now it's, we've got to work to, to kind of manufacture runs. I mean, you know, Flanders on the bases, you're, you're never going to go wrong. Um, you know, Lester's definitely got the bat behind her. But aside from that, like, we've just got to, we've got to manufacture runs. You know, Sykes played a great game. Backus even was great at the plate, um, helping her own cause in that, in that um, north side game. Um, you know, so it's just, just giving it time to develop, giving it time for this younger squad to, to kind of develop. And if you, you know, I, that north side game was also senior night. Uh, we only have three seniors, um, you know, so, so that's promising for, for the years ahead. And when you're, when you're looking at the region that we have, you've got Whitewater, Northside, us, Harris County, uh, Northgate, um, and you throw McIntosh in that mix as well. I mean, that, that's six of the teams right there um, that you've really got to watch out for. You know, Northgate especially, I mean, we beat them one nothing. North side, we lose by one. You know, I was, like I said, I was at that North side game and I was sending out the Twitter updates and I started looking at other teams and how they, you know, fared against one another. And it's like, all right, North side will beat us, but then they'll lose to Whitewater. You know, we'll beat Northgate, but then Northgate will beat White, you know, Whitewater. And it's this back and forth, back and forth that uh, all that to say, we got to get to the doubleheader against Whitewater. Today is a very, this is a very crucial doubleheader for Stars Mill. Whitewater has proven to be probably the greatest rival to Stars Mill, and that's been proven that, especially, got to take it back last year. Last year, blew them out like 13 something, 13 1 or something at Whitewater. Later in the season, they came to our house. They, they stomped on us like 8 nothing, if I recall, 7 nothing. And then we play them in the championship, and that goes to game three. And all, all those games were, were very decisive, and it ended up going in Whitewater's favor. In those games, and especially from what I've seen, it really does just come down to who's willing to play harder and who's willing to make, the le make less mistakes. Well, and if, and you more it, if, if you look at it historically, like, you know, we, you and I, you know, Ben Barkley from last year, we, we kind of tracked it. If you look at how Whitewater versus Stars Mill in the regular season goes, it is no indication as to how those teams are going to play each other in the region tournament. I mean, you might as well just scrap the regular season games when you go into the region tournament because you don't have a clue. Like you said, I mean, it was, we blew them out at home. Um, I think they came in here and like you said, handled business against us. I mean, you, you, there's no indication of, of what those regular season games or how the postseason region game, region tournament games, how those are going to fare when you look at the regular season. So, I mean, 
Yeah, you know, we go into this doubleheader and we, we blow them out. Awesome. It's going to look great in the region standings, but it's going to play totally different in the tournament. So I'm, I'm excited for the games. I look forward to seeing what happens. Uh, it's, it's, always, it's always great games. I think, I think you're going to be there to cover them, aren't you? That's right. And that, like I said, that, um, the, that surprise factor is what's most indicatively thrilling about any rivalry is that you could go in there and not even know how the game's going to turn out. And that's how, that's how these teams play against each other. And that's why these games are so exciting to watch. And that's why you should come out today, 530 and 730. Um, we have North next Tuesday and then North side the following Tuesday. And I like the, I like when they play, I, I love seeing these region games happen. The second region game, especially after a loss is because it's always exciting to see how how Starsville is going to bounce back and how what what may have been exposed last time gets fixed this time around. Yeah, yeah, and like like we said at the beginning of the softball section here, like we we got Macintosh at home on October first, which is a makeup game, um, and you know I'm pretty excited there, you know, to to see how do we bounce back from that four two loss, first time we lost to them in over seven years. Um, so, you know, you've got Northside bounce back game next week. You've got uh, a couple of weeks after that, you got Macintosh. But first, you know, we got to get through these Whitewater games. So um, looking forward to what you have to say about those. Hopefully uh, we'll get some good pictures from Annika Pepper and her crew. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what do we talk about next, man? We talk cross country? Yeah, let's go ahead down across country. Again, one of the um, very, very interesting beginnings is, is last Last weekend they had the 18 team invitational, if I'm mistaken, and that game and that resulted in the varsity team, the girls winning six overall, and the boys winning eighth overall. And not m many surprises. I guess there's really one surprise factor in the top three. In the girls, you have Darby Olive, senior, one of the leading runners at 17th with 20 minutes flat. Ali Walker, who's been Another senior who's been directly competing with her, going about, if I can read read this, uh, she got 26 with 20 minutes 40 seconds, and a freshman in the top 50, third on the team, and Emma Wright, is, it came in with a time of 21 minutes and 23 seconds. It seems like every year they're coming with new freshmen that are coming to vie for vibe for fast times and we saw that last year with Haley Ross and kind of could see that going every every year but go but moving on from that uh the boys young Cole Nolby who was last week's player of the week going 18th place with 16 minutes and 30 seconds which is a PR for him Colby Smith another senior we and I feel like it's interesting there's just so many so many fast runners that Sometimes they just come up and we never talk about them until they, they run in top three. Colby Smith, I don't think we talked about him at all last year. Came in second place, top 50, seven, 17 minutes and 16 seconds. And then Joseph Mozilla, another strong runner, top 100, 17 minutes, 43 seconds. Um, very interesting numbers. What do you think of Spencer? Uh, yeah, and I mean, um, we had one of our cub writers, Caitlin Doyle, out there over the weekend. And... Um, you know, you look at this and you're like, okay, if you, if you combine both boys and girls squads, you got one boy, one girl in the top 20. 
um, you know, which for us, we generally expect to have three or four top 20. There, there's, it's slightly misleading. You know, I talked with Coach Rock um, when Mackenzie Jaddick was writing the um, Player of the Week for Colton Olvey. Um, Coach Rock and I were talking a little bit. And the AT&T Invitational, 40 teams, over 1,800 runners. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're talking varsity, JV, and freshman divisions, but there's a lot of competition. Um, you know, and you've got Colton here coming in 18th on the boys' side, setting another PR. I think he set a PR the first race that they ran this season, too, which was a three-miler. Um, you know, so, so Colton's doing great things. I don't, I, I don't necessarily want people to see, okay, 17th, 26th, top 50, and think, oh, man, you know, stars more was slacking. Um, I think it speaks really, really highly to, to the level of competition. Um, I know, like I said, we had Caitlin Doyle um, out there writing the story for us last weekend. Um, and she, she got a really, really great interview with Coach Rock. I want to I go ahead and take a minute to play some of that interview for you guys. So how does an event like this help your team prepare for the full season? This is um, a great race because it's our home course and it is, it's a challenging course, but the kids are familiar with it. And so they always get excited about it because it feels like um, it almost belongs to us. And so we're more invested in it. Um, and so the excitement going into this meet is always really high, which helps with um, like optimism among the team. Um, what's your assessment of how the varsity teams perform today? I honestly haven't had a chance to sit down and look at the results yet. Um, from what I did see, um, the the boys did really well in comparison to their other competition. Um, and the girls were happy with their times. Um, and looking at last race that we ran was a three-mile race. So this is our first 5K of the season. And so looking at the times that they ran with their three-mile and seeing that some of them did better in this 5K than they did in the three mile is encouraging. Um, how are you as a coach managing all of the changes and unknowns of the season? Taking it day by day. Um, because every single thing we have had to reevaluate and change. And um, at the beginning of the season, it was very frustrating. But what I found was that some of the changes that we're making um, can actually be good things that I may implement next season. For example, um, I was always, I was really upset at the beginning of the season that we couldn't meet as a big group. And so we split everybody up into smaller groups and the advantage to the smaller groups is that each coach is able to focus more specifically on a group of individuals. So we've seen a decrease in injuries and um, we've also seen that it was easier for our new younger runners to get to know the people within their group without being forced into this big group all of a sudden. What do you think is the big the team's biggest challenge this season? Um, we always have really big goals and so just looking at those goals and staying committed and focused to those goals and continuing to believe that we're going to reach those goals and that we have the ability to do that. Um, you know, we've had, we've managed all the setbacks that we've had with, you know, the COVID situation and they've all been super adaptable to that. So, you know, that's one thing I can say that hasn't really been a challenge for us. Yeah. So, you know, coach, coach there is talking about just overcoming challenges and, and just sort of building the team together and all that, you know, and I, I know Stackhouse, you, you've kind of, 
you've kind of honed in, honed in on a particular tradition that, that cross country has had over the years. Uh, to tell, tell us a little bit about sort of where you see the strength of the cross country program. Well, let's kind of take it a couple of years ago, about 2018. The outlook of the team is a lot more different than it is now. You have the top two runners are Harrison Fultz and Nick Nyman. And you have a bunch of good junior and sophomore runners. Some of those runners that are the top runners now, and they, they just won the, net, the state championship. Really awesome stuff. But as we keep going on, the, big hor- the, the large horsepower on the team is gone. And yet the team didn't really skip a beat last year. They placed really highly in the, the boys placed really highly in the 2019 state championship as well. And what that told me from there is like, wow, is what, and we see this in every Stars World team, but I feel like it's more prevalent in cross country is that every year we are seeing not only the, we are seeing the young runners getting better and better. And that makes it so when you have people like Nyman and and Fultz gone, you have people like Colton Nolby and Joseph Mazzillo and Colby Smith coming back, coming up, taking the reins. And what they do is not only improve themselves, but they work with their team. They are working with these freshmen, these sophomores, to build them up. And what Coach Rock told me is that they have this – they've been working with this mentorship program during the whole quarantine, which has made their practicing harder, is that they have, they have a new runner working with a veteran. And they're making that so that these runners can just – improve, improve, improve. And I think that's incredible to see. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump in on that because if you look at, and Caitlin Doyle's story talks about this in the prowlernews.org, take a look there. Um, But if you, if you look at this, um, like the JV performance over the weekend, like the freshman boys won the entire event. Um, I want to say actually the freshman boys might've had first, second, and third place. Um, so, I mean, what, what you're talking about there is just this, this consistent turnover is, yes, we, like we know Nyman and Fultz. We, we know the first ever cross-country boys state championship from, from 2018, certainly. But you look at that, that consistent talent that you're talking about, and when Coach Rock and, and her coaching staff are doing what they're doing of pairing a varsity runner with these freshman runners and, and that sort of builds that consistency in and, and it's a it's a great tradition that's growing theirs it's not just oh you had a good run with Nyman and Folds. no like we're consistently seeing like you said new names popping up last year you know we had of course the, the, the Walker sisters and, and Haley Ross and Darby Olive's name being thrown in there again and again now we're we're looking at Darby Olive, Allie Walker, Haley Ross, and Emma Wright, who's a freshman. So you're you're continuing to build in the, the each each year. There's this new name or two that that brings up, and you look at it and you're like, oh, it's a freshman. Oh, it's a sophomore. Uh, it's just a great great tradition that they have growing. That you know, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. I know that uh, we're hosting the region meet again down there at One Church, used to be Heritage, down on Red Wine Road. Um, so you know, hopefully, hopefully Panther Nation gets a chance to go out there when that region meet comes up. Uh, Cross country season goes fast; it goes so mm-hmm. fast. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a great, great tradition that they got going on there. Um, part of it has to do with part of it's kind of the nature of the sport, but 
I also feel like if you look at just again, just looking at how the how they're consistently putting in new runners every single year, it kind of feels like that they are the most seamless sport in Star Smell to be making these rotations and probably the most consistent at that. But and probably that's probably enough about that. Let's kind of roll down the volleyball. We've had a had a very interesting year with volleyball. Currently, they are nine and five. And what we and starting with earlier in the season, they played a best of five against Macintosh and went went three and zero, but went zero and three in Macintosh's favor. But the interesting thing was that game two is game one and game one and game three. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They were pretty sloppy. There were a lot of errors going on. But that game two was when they really started coming together and playing hard against Macintosh. And I feel like that was a moment where I like, okay, maybe the power gap isn't as wide as we thought it was. Because under coach under head coach Jason Flowers, Macintosh had never been the stars mill. And we, we were very close to seeing that first set being taken from Macintosh in Flowers' coaching career, but it didn't happen. But I feel like the performance in that second game was very indicative of it being possible. Yeah, and I mean, that was something uh, that was something he and I talked about was that, you know, you just you mentioned it there in his entire career here at Stars Mill. They've, they've not they haven't taken a match like they haven't even let alone taken a set against Macintosh. Uh, it speaks highly of what Macintosh has done the last couple of years, certainly. But he, he, he says it's all mental. You know, if they could just get that first set just to say, hey, we can compete against this team, he's like, that That could be the entire turning point. Um, and it has been pretty much the last couple of years, it's been us, Whitewater, McIntosh as the top three. And, and it looks like it's shaping up to be the same. We haven't played Whitewater yet. Um, we'll play We'll play McIntosh again, I know. But... Um, I went to, we, we hosted a, a Southside Invitational a couple of weeks ago, and I took a couple of our cub riders, um, Abby and Kylie. Uh, I took them to that uh, to, to get a little practice. And it was interesting to see um, just some of the changes in position that, that Coach is trying out and some of the, some of the different names that, that have cropped up. Uh, of course, you know, we always talk to Nicole Smith. Um, and, and Luna won, um, but but moving Luna out of the middle off to the, or moving Luna into more of a uh, setter kind of role, of course, Nicole on the outside. Um, but but one of the names that, that jumped up there in the middle um, was Joy Johnson. Um, she, she played in some incredible matches against uh, East Coweta and Carrollton. And so afterwards, um, Kylie and I spoke with her, and, and this, is, this is what, um, we spoke with her and Nicole Smith, but I, I thought it was pretty interesting what Nicole had to say about Joy. Joy was not shy and being like, wow, that's one of the best matches I've played. Um, but, but I, I want to play for you what Nicole had to say about Joy, uh, Joy Johnson. And so, so here's that interview. How does Joy's good playing on middle today help uh, you on defense in the back? Well, it's really helpful having a block up. And we've struggled in the past because there hasn't been a block and the defense is kind of just guessing where the ball is going to go. So Joy, like being a good blocker today and playing well really helps us in the background. You know, so, so it was nice to get that. And then talking with Coach, uh, and this might be something you were talking about, McIntosh. Um, Coach, 
and we saw it, Kylie, Abby, and I saw it there um, Friday night in this outside invitational that um, like Stars Mill seemed to start pretty slow. The energy seemed to be lacking. So I, I want to play that clip for you guys as well so you can hear Coach Flowers talking about that. Um, mainly it was about energy, I felt like. Um, I told him, I said, when we won the last set, it was like we were relieved rather than excited. And I thought that what they needed to get the tempo up, get more excitement when they score points, because um, we were playing fine, but we just didn't seem to have that little bit of competitive edge to it. It was almost like a, you know, we, we expected to win, we wanted to win, but then when we did, it was like the relief, not the excitement. So I think moving forward in some of these matches, I know that uh, like we we've got a few uh, we got a few small matches uh, next week. We got some big region ones against Northgate, Whitewater. I think the week after that, we've got Macintosh again um, coming up. But um, just, um, just I think one of the things we need to watch is those. How's the team starting that first set? You know, are they starting energetic? Are they starting you know on all cylinders, doing great. Or are they starting kind of sluggish, maybe falling behind a little bit? Because we know going into the, the region tournament, McIntosh is not a team that, that you can you can play from behind. Like you've really got to get the jump on them right from the start. You can't be playing from behind from them because they're they're just going to shut you down. Mm -hmm. So um, it's just something something for Panther Nation to just sort of keep an eye on there. And of course, we'll we'll keep doing what we do here at the Prowler and, and watching it as well. Keep talking to Coach. I was talking with Nicole Smith and Carrie Smith about after that best of five against McIntosh, and what they were telling me is that is that they're confident about the the skill their team has, but the chemistry just needs a bit more time to develop, especially after losing, uh, especially after losing all those seniors last year. You know, Kayla Sloan, I'm forgetting names right now. George, Georgia Waller, Tessa Laney, those guys, those girls, and. Having to adjust to that has definitely not been easy with all the difficult opponents they've had to face so far. And I feel like this next game, this next two sets between McIntosh, not McIntosh, Whitewater and Northgate at McIntosh should be very indicative of how this team is not only, how of how this team's been able to improve these past this past month. And I feel like again, it's very similar to softball in the fact that it's just something that needs time. It's something that needs time to develop. And I have no doubts that's something that's going to be proven to be successful later down the line. And that's I'm how curious, I think it's focused. I'm curious, I think this is something that, that maybe you're gonna have to look into a little bit more Stackhouse. Like if you look at the roster, we have senior Ashlyn McCure, her sister Elise, sophomore. You have junior Nicole Smith, her sister, sophomore, Carrie Smith. I wonder how much of that older sibling, younger sibling on the same team is going to help this team develop in the next couple of years. I mean, I don't know much about that, that concept, but I do feel like that, that whole sibling aspect could be incredibly useful as a mentorship, as these older sisters are teaching these younger sisters about the game so that when they go, that they're able to not only pass their knowledge down to future to future younger volleyball players, but also be able to lead the team and be able to make just as much of the impact as those players are now. Just something we'll we'll have to to keep keep track of, keep our eye on. Speaking of keeping our eye on things, man, you uh, you kept your eye on the football team over the last week and a little bit over the summer. Why don't you? Why don't we jump in and? hit our fourth fall sport of football. 
All right, before I go into that, let's take it back to the end of last year's football season. We got we got blown out by Warner Robins, but the point of that after that, the skill the skill positions that made us that that much that gave us that much success are gone. Kalen Sims gone, Ben Bonney gone, Houston Hunter Lawson gone. Those that backfield wiped away, and the big question was. How do we fix that? There was no concern at all with the offensive line or the defense because there were like nine of the nine of the twelve, nine of the eleven on the defense coming back, three of the two on the offensive line returning. It was really about how we're gonna adjust this offense. And that kind of goes back to that goes all the way to when when that football thing started doing refs again in June of this past year, is that they were they were going straight to work. Is that they were gonna get these kids conditioned and then start figuring this stuff out. And the name that I heard that that was for sure gonna be under center was sophomore Will Yarbrough. He was a quarterback. He was a corner last year, and I feel like it was gonna be very interesting how we adapted this new role. And then. As I started talking with more and more as we got closer to the season, it became clear that he was very confident about his about that offense. It's just that they need to be battle tested. Enter last week's game against East Coweta. They are a for those who don't know, East Coweta is one of the third largest schools in the state. And a lot of what happened that night is very indicative of how, how good our Panther football team actually is. Let me just recap the game briefly. You have early on, defense was extraordinarily stout. They kept, they kept them scoreless the entire quarter. And I feel like that's so great because that is, we're 5A and they're 7A. They have a lot, they have a lot, they have way larger of a player pool than we do. And the fact that our defense was able to to stop that, and keep in mind that the only part of the defense that really rotates is the defensive line, because they have a four-man, four-play D-line. That's usually in rotation for every four players. Everyone else is always out there every play, and they're stopping East Coweta for a whole whole half. That's incredible. And during during that time, the offense, Kind of showed some signs of making something happen, but they were still. It was clear that they were still going through the first few snaps as a team, and I feel like then they didn't go through anything either. And East Carolina almost did. They had, they got, they had their quarterback Daniel lob a ball into, and a receiver caught it right on the one yard line, but a penalty brought them to the 15 yard line. Their kicker kicked a field goal, and he missed wide rights. He missed all three of his field goals that night wide rights. And going into the third quarter, Starsville had momentum, and that was when the Starsville was driving down the field, and Will Yarbrough, and the sophomore quarterback, Will Yarbrough, passed it down to Joshua Pfeiffer for his first touchdown. And he was saying that he was very excited about that moment. And going down in the game, Started going down in that game, East Cal, we just started coming back. They scored a touchdown. Then East Cal, 
then starts middle, Will Yarborough fumbled it again. East Calgary scored another. The momentum was slowly going back into East Calgary's hands until two, two or three plays into Stars Mill's drive. Senior Devin Barnett, who, had, who was a rookie to our team, ran a 63-yard touchdown to tie the game. And that was the moment where everyone in the Stars Mill side of the field went berserk. And later down in that game, Stars Mill couldn't get anything, but neither could East Coweta. In fact, their kicker missed the shanked the potential game winner. And that brought us down to overtime, where they scored, got the BAT, and then Will Yarbrough again showing his flashes of brilliance by lobbing a touch, lobbing a 15-yard touchdown pass to Malachi Townsend, making an insane catch. And at this point, I'm going to start with the analysis because this is really where it starts, is that they, want, they wanted to go, go for broke with a two-point conversion. And I'll play the audio in a moment, but it didn't go well. They had the right play call. They were two guys open, but East Calweta brought a heavy blitz, and the offense just didn't execute. And that was it. 21-20, our first game of the season, it was a loss, but wow. I know I rambled on a lot, but I feel I hope that I kind of like explain in briefly how that was an insane game. And I'll I'll just kind of leave it with some before I get into some analysis. I talked to Coach Phillips about the game, talked about a lot loads of different topics with them, and here's what he said about the game before I get into that. Well, defensively, you know, we returned a lot of players. I told you, yeah. I felt like we'd be pretty strong on defense, and we played well. And uh, coaches did a great job game planning, and. Uh, you know, they, we showed boys in film and that practice everything they were going to do, and they did exactly what we thought they would do. And, uh, you know, we just seemed to, we seemed to get a little bit more confident. And this what, the day gum game lasted, what, two and a half hours? And it looked like we got a little running, you know, running ragged on, on gas. You know, they got, their school was three times the size of ours, so they got a lot more kids to play. And, <clears throat> and it just, you know, we just – we, we got better. We got Devin Barnett, you know, first-year player, made a big play. We made some big plays, but then we, you know, we youth and inexperience, he made some bad plays. We just weren't quite good enough to overcome those tonight. Just kind of like from the coach's perspective, seeing this game go back and forth the way it did in the second half, just how does that, how's that feeling for you with, as a coach, as a coach, seeing yeah, the players go? I, I felt like we had a chance to win. But the good thing, we, we schedule four good opponents for right. this very reason. So when we play Harris County, Griffin, and Northgate, and people in our region, you know, we play. We won't play a better team. We'll play Sandy Creek, and they'll be as good as them, maybe a little better. But, you know, that's one of the better teams we're going to play this year. So, and that's why we do what we do. So we, you know, we'll be more prepared the next time. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, but why the two-point conversion? We were we were gassed. You know, we were we were out of gas. The next, if you play another round, kick an extra point, we have to go on offense first. So we'd have to go offense back to back. So you know, we felt like we had we had we did have a great play call. We had two receivers wide open. Yeah, and we just missed a backside fan block. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we block, if we backside fan block and throw the ball out, we win the game. So. We felt real good and we prepared. We practiced that situation. You know, we were ready for that and we just didn't execute it. His words were we gassed. And I'm not going to, I do not blame, blame the man and the coaching staff for their decision. 
is that they play a game that lasted nearly two and a half hours. That is insane. And the fact that this, that this new offense was able to m- produce all this in their first game is absolutely insane. Will Yarbrough, his first start ever under center, and he passed for over 120, around 127 yards and two passing touchdowns. That's, that's a very good start. And, again, the defense, stout as always. They, they limited that team with a much larger player pool than them to 21 points. And the fact – and I said this in my game day takeaway is that they didn't have any – like they didn't have like a large amount of turnovers, acts, or anything of the sort. It was mainly just about the. It was mainly just about limiting their numbers. In it was just limiting their yardage, and they did that very effectively for the majority of the game. Is that they kept them out of the end zone, and that's that's the role of a defense, and they lived that up super well. And again, that offense, they had a lot of opportunities to learn, and I feel like that that's the best thing they've been able to do. It's, even considering how well they played. And I talked to the, the rookie quarterback, Will Yarborough, after that, after that, and here's what he, what he had to say. Uh, it was a lot for me, uh, starting as a freshman this year. Last year I played corner, so this year as QB, I uh, had put it all together, had to, had to lead the team, just gotta, uh, just gotta lead the offense. and. Uh, I think we did pretty good, but we messed up on some things, and we'll go back to film and watch everything, and we'll get down. It's kind of taking me through because that was an insane back and forth that was going on in that second half. Just from from your perspective, how is it going through all that, all those all those highs and lows? Uh, it's it's exciting. Uh, you know, when you get that first touchdown, you're like really high. When you got when you go down. 14-7. You just gotta, you gotta pick it up, and you gotta go do something crazy on offense. You gotta go get the game back in your hands. I mean, especially with this offense, it's all about the learning curve and being able to develop over time. And we see this, and we see this with all their sports teams. But that's becoming j- just as prominent, if not more, with the Panthers, with how they've had to adapt to losing their skill positions and not only being able to salvage what they have, which is a lot, mind you, us. An extremely good offensive line with Joseph Rampey, Dalton Coast, and that all-star defense with Duke Commit, Cole Bishop, Wes Haney, Mark Stampley, a new guy who's already who's already hit his stride. Cole, or is it Cole Bishop? Uh, Nathan, Nate Kearns and Jonathan Heigl on the cor- at the corner positions. Barry Luke Mullins making up this defense that has proven that they haven't skipped a beat and they're still coming out to play. You know, but, but this is something I'm hearing, Stackhouse, is that we talk about, okay, we talk about softball, young group, still competitive. We talk about cross country, young runners, still competitive. We talk about volleyball, losing a bunch of seniors, still competitive. And now we're, now we're back to football. You know, I, I feel like, like three years ago, I'm having the same conversation with, with my sports editors about Hunter Lawson coming in. And Hunter Lawson just kept that, that region championship streak alive as well. And now you've got Will Yarbrough, same kind of idea. Like, it, like what, what is it that you're seeing 
in just the, the culture, let's just talk the culture of our football program. What, what is it that you see in that culture that, that just keeps this sort of perennial growth, this perennial um, strength uh, happening? Um, there's, a there's a saying that, that the Stars Mill football program lives by, and that's tradition never graduates. And I feel like that's been more prominent because I feel like this year, because of the doubts people had because these skill positions were leaving. It's the fact that every year, I mean, we saw last year is we saw a new quarterback, Hunter Lawson, just start out, and we thought, okay, maybe this is going to end well. We already were eliminated first year of the playoffs last year. Maybe that's not going to work out. Guess what happened? Semi-final year. First time or second time in a decade that that's happened to us. And what we see, and if there's anybody to praise for this kind of thing, it's not only the coaching staff, which is ridiculous, by the way, the, what they've been able to do and the amount of work that they've put in, but it, it all comes from the head, I feel like. It comes from Coach Phillips, and I feel like that's he has a lot of willingness to expand and learn that he shares with the coaches and the teammates is that, I mean, he could have just, he could have really just taken his state championship appearance in 2010 and be done. Just be like, just kind of use that as a hubristic kind of thing. But every year is a new year for him is that every year you see new coaches coming on, new set of players and He's just out there to coach football. And I feel like that we don't – I feel like the student – I feel like not only the student body, but all of the all of stars the Stars Mill community, we don't talk and respect Coach Phillips enough for what he's done for this football program. I really don't think we would be in this position where we're a state – where we're a state-recognized football program without we are recently racking region championships every year. And let's, and it's the same nature of college football, same nature of high school is that you have players come and go every single year. And that your choice, is, you have two choices. You can either just like keep a hold of the good times and say, yep, that was our team. Or say, okay, our holes are gone. Let's patch those up. And that's what Coach Phillips and that team is doing every single year and that's just it's it's why we see this in every single sport i feel like that stars mill football has set the standard of consistent improvements and that's why we see this across all of stars mill well and i think you're seeing that i mean like you mentioned like the holes it's like all right we, we got ben bodney kaylin sims graduate last year like Brandon Mathis was kind of already like a lot of people already had their eyes on Mathis last year. He's a junior this year, but last year's a sophomore. It's kind of like, all right, Mathis is going to be kind of that guy. And yeah, Mathis had a great game as well. But then boom, here comes here comes Devin. You know, now now we're seeing that. You kind of you're seeing I mean, we talked about it in cross country. It's like, all right, yeah, we got Darby Olive, we got Allie Walker, we know Haley Ross, they're gonna run. Oh, here's Emma Wright. You know, and, and I think you're you're spot on there of like, okay, we've got um, we, we've got these coaches, we've got this mentality of yes, we we've got good players year in and year out, but we're also going to bring some of those surprise players along and develop those surprise players that it's like, oh, hey, here's another name you need to be talking about. Here's another name you need to 
community focusing on, you know, and, and I mean, how often have we talked to the passing game of Stars Mill football in the last few years? And already after game one, we're throwing names like Malachi Townsend. We're saying, hey, like Yarbrough isn't just going to be a running quarterback or a quarterback who sits back there and hands the ball off to a couple of great backs. It's like, hey, here's another threat. You know, um, you've got to watch out for Stars Mill's pass game now, too. Um, so you, you factor in what well, we got Gavin necessary in the punting game. We've got Cole Bishop and the, the line and Barrett Schmittelkoffer on the defense. Like, it seems like now when it comes to Stars Mill football, we're talking about every single aspect of the team. And I mean, I, I kind of skimmed over the, the special teams, but they're rock solid too. We got kicker Connor Mark, who's, who we, who we all know his name after the Griffin game last year, but he's still as good, he's still as, good as over. And again, Gavin Necessary, I've known him for a long time, and I feel like he's shown it this, this weekend. He has a leg as a punter, and he is, it's been ridiculous how, how well he can punt a ball. And I'm going to loop back to what I was talking about, the head with Coach Phillips anyway, is that attitude is infectious, good or bad. And the way that we see the coaches putting these kids to work and, it, and exuber, exuberating this culture of grit that we keep on seeing time and time again, we see that ooze into the players. And they're able to, and they're not only able, but they're willing to put in the work. And the most interesting thing that I think Coach Phillips has told me is that he said that there's one word that the coaching staff throws around to their players a lot, and that's complacency. And the reason being is that they don't want them to be complacent. They don't want their players to be complacent as adults. They want them to be able to put in the work and be resilient every single day of their lives. That's why they push them. And I mean, my respect for Phillips and that team just one day up after that day. I'm going to say this, man. You, you brought up something, uh, and I want to repeat this. That I loved what you just said. You said, attitude is contagious, good or bad. And when we have this attitude of tradition never graduates, we have this attitude of grit. We have this attitude of come out to my team. I'm going to make you into a great player. I'm going to teach you to work. I'm going to teach you the values of hard work and dedication and and I mean, you know, cross country's mentality of family. When, when those are the ideas that the coaching staffs here at Stars Mill are teaching these young men and women, now what, what great examples, not just on the field or on the court or, or in the diamond or whatever, but, but just great lessons for life. You know, and, and again, attitude is contagious, good or bad. And I, I love it. Honestly, Stackhouse, I think that's probably the message you need, to, you need to send us home with here is attitude is contagious, good or bad. Man, what an awesome episode. This was such, this is such, a, great, such a great time talking about sports with you. We have gone through a lot, and I feel like that we have been able to set the stage for the rest of the month, kind of where, where things are going to go. So thank you, Mr. Spencer, for joining me today on this, the first episode of Prince Pit. Well, Stackhouse, man, I think, I think you, you and uh, the rest of the staff that are working hard, some of our Cubs who are coming up and everything, you're, you're helping the Prowler stay true to its slogan. You know, we developed this new slogan last year of We Have Stars Mill Covered, and I think that is so true. You know, uh, we, we need people to go out to the prowlernews.org, bookmark that thing, 
People need to go to social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Caroline Hubbard's doing a great job on our Instagram, uh, SMHS Prowler. Um, and then most importantly, you know, is making sure that, that you and your department stay employed and people come out and, and support the Panthers. You know, of course, doing so responsibly, bring your mask, keep your, keep your social distance. Yeah. But I think that's so important that people, that people come out, support the Panthers, and, and the teams just keep giving you stuff to, to write about. And thank you for coming on the coming on the show with me. And thank you all for for going through for going through this listening experience with us. I I hope you continue to follow your Panther sports teams as I have because we're in for I think we're in a great year for Panther sports. I think everyone in Panther Nation should be should be watching this watching our athletic department right now. So if that's all, I think that's all we got. We good? Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys. Keep on following our stuff and from myself and Ms. Spencer, I'm Daniel Stackhouse. Cheers, fellas. Go Panthers.